The staff here devotes a lot of coverage to IT modernization, one of the most expensive and important management initiatives in the federal government. Sometimes I cover it myself. And in a column posted yesterday on efforts by the IRS to replace the very old code in its individual master file system. Our point man on IT, executive editor Jason Miller, joins me here in studio. Jason, good to have you in. Always a pleasure, Tom. The one thing about IT modernization that, that I think we should start off with, because this discussion is like the never-ending story. Remember that movie from the 70s? It just continues on and on and on. Every administration goes forward with it. And, and what we saw in the last administration during the uh, when Tony Scott was federal CIO, he made a big point push on technical debt. We have to get out of technical debt. The IRS in your column today seems to have, have a way out, but they're not using it. And I think that is a really... It's not just a shame, but it's there's a lot of leaves us scratching our head wide. What would you find out? Yeah, well, what I found out is that a technology developed by a former employee, John Wong, who is now at Social Security Administration dealing with old code, had developed a system for converting the individual master file, which was coded during the Kennedy administration in assembler language, which can run forever. But they have been trying to modernize that assembler into a modern language now for probably 25 years in the successive modernization efforts. This methodology of doing this, the most recent development was just in October when it received a patent. The IRS had, under I think John Koskinen's regime, had applied for a patent. It came through. It's 10444000 or something. And yet the IRS doesn't seem to be using the methodology. And moreover, Wang told me that they have used it to convert 90% of the IMF to Java and that the original plan before the change in administration was to test it in 2018 and it was actually supposed to be in operation, the new Java version of the IMF for the 2019 filing season. None of it ever happened. And yet in its latest modernization plan from February of this past year, they say, you know, replacing millions of lines of legacy code is one of their priorities. So, they have a methodology. Why not? I can't get an answer out of the IRS itself. And obviously, that was going to be my next question was, what did the IRS tell you? They've had some turnover in their CIO role. And we know from covering the IRS, they don't talk very often. And when they do, it's usually someone like Harrison Smith who's talking procurement, who wants to be innovative, who wants to be out in front to get more an innovation into the IRS. But when they have this opportunity to change, it's interesting that they aren't or they are, but they don't want to talk about it yet. Is this one of those cases where they're, they don't want to get a, put the cart before the horse? I'm not really sure because I've asked them now going on two years for an interview about this very topic. And it's not just that the, in, the, the individual master file is an interesting technical challenge. It is. It's like replacing a piston engine with a jet engine on an airplane. But like that type of replacement, it's also a fundamental game changer in that it would allow so many of the services IRS says it wants to deliver because they could get around this big monolithic block of code that is batch processing and they want to go to an online near real-time type of world. You can't do that with batch processing. And so it's not just the problem of old code and there's fewer and fewer people available to maintain it and understand it, but by replacing it, they could do so many of the things they want to do as they envision the IRS in the future. And in their most recent document, not just the IT modernization plan that you mentioned in February, but they actually just put out an annual report. And both of those documents talk about 
we want to use automation. We want to use robotics process automation. We want to use artificial intelligence. All those words are in there. And the IRS can't do that, as, as you said, if they're using batch processing of data. And that master file is the main component to this business modernization effort. I think you quote the former IRS commissioner from 2001 saying, this is the year where we will go forward with it. That's right, Charles Rosati. And it's interesting that Congress continues to give them money as well. Are, are any sign that they're holding the IRS accountable? As you read through the, the budget, do they ask for reports? Do they ask for updates? What's Is there any Congress involvement? Well, there is. Congress has appropriated $180 million over two years, so presumably an average of $90 million a year for the modernization effort, which the IRS says eventually will cost up to $2.7 billion. And they are asking for quarterly reports on what they're spending it on, what their progress is. So Congress is on to this. Last year, the IG was going to look into what happened on the individual master file specifically. But because of that one-day outage they had during the last filing season, they say they, their attention at the IG was diverted from the IMF to this outage, and they never got back to it. One of the things that we've heard time and again about the IRS is it's just so big and so critical that they can't do certain work during certain times of the year. I think, you know, basically January 1st through April 15th or maybe April 16th, they really just are focused on one thing, which is, you know, getting processing tax returns. And before that January 1st kickoff date, or, or I guess this year filing season starts January 27th, the IRS is really focused on making any changes that Congress asked them. Do you think that that the pressure on IRS, the fact is that they have so much to do always, there's only a very small window of when they can actually make changes is why that this this change to from assembler code to Java is just taking so long. Did you get that feeling from talking to, to the your sources? Well, that could be one reason. Again, they've been trying to do this now for 25 years. The IMF has been the subject of modernizations at least 25 years. This past couple of years, they've had the tax cut bill that was passed under the Trump administration that Congress went along with, and that was a massive change in coding. And they mentioned that in the progress report, they were able to change hundreds of systems. So it's not as if they're incapable of doing this kind of thing. And they had an original plan to run both in parallel one year to make sure that the results came out the same. One would be offline, but the results, the test results available to their staff. And then if it worked, then they would put it in production the next year. So they do have the ability to do this. They know how to manage IT projects. It's just a mystery why this one seems so intractable. It sure seems like they're missing a great opportunity. And one that I would say dozens of other agencies would love to borrow that patent, because as you and I well know, that a patent done by one federal agency is open to any federal agency. Sure. Um, this leads by the way, there's two other patents related to that whole process that they abandon, that they're just in the dormant stage. If they would pay the $250 fees for the other two, they would get more patents. Could we pay those fees and, and, and hold the patents? Yeah, maybe we can get you know David Rubenstein to do it or there something. There you go. One thing about this IRS story that's it's just not about the IRS. Every agency is facing right. this technical debt. I mentioned at the front end of our conversation of Tony Scott, the former federal CIO, one time estimated about $7 billion in technical debt. I'm sure it's much higher now. Here we are four or five years later. Do you get a sense that this type of technology could be used at VA, at Social Security, at CMS, at so many other agencies? Yes. I mean, I think IRS has the most assembler of any agency, but it can also be applied to other types of legacy code. I think it can also work with COBOL. It's a matter of inputs and outputs, and you have to replicate that logic somehow. So I think if you read the patent, it's not just specifically for IRS Assembler and Java. 
but there's a target language and a source language that go through this mill. It's very complicated. It's a long patent. But yes, I think that could apply a lot of places, like Social Security, which is very COBOL intensive. Right. And I know that the former CIO at Social Security, Rob Klopp, really made a big push to modernize a lot of Social Security's uh, legacy applications. Current CIO uh, Rajiv Mather also is following his lead. And, and as you said, your source, Mr. Wong, also is now working with Rajiv Mather at SSA. So probably bringing that same knowledge, that same same perspective to help with them as well. Yeah, now that the patent is out there. And uh, the other thing about this methodology, according to Wong, and we can verify this, the IRS would talk to us, but he said that it took about seven people a couple of years, and he estimated a cost of a couple of million dollars to do this massive conversion. That's hardly a $5 billion systems integration contract that lasts indefinitely. VA, too, I think is another one. VA is a good point. They, they've they been pushing down this path of legacy IT for for quite a while. And one of their, their big challenges is very similar to, to SSA, IRS, to CMS, is, is that legacy system. Tom, do you expect that the IRS, now that we've talked about this, now that you've written a column to respond? Because you wrote a column two years ago, and, and they didn't really respond much, even though that column... Went, went quite viral. Yeah, I'm hoping they will answer now because it's not a critical column of the IRS. I mean, they have done amazing things with their technology. The IRS, in the way it appears to the public, in the way it operates, its cybersecurity skills, its prevention of identity theft skills, its ability to process things online, get answers online, are exponentially different and better than they were 25 years ago. But they just have this big, giant mountain in the middle that they can't seem to blow up. So I'm hoping they'll talk. Here's another. If you're listening, give me a call. I'll get you on the air, too. Very good. Now, this is a great column. If you haven't seen it, you can find it on federalnewsnetwork.com. And, of course, uh, through your Twitter feed, through LinkedIn, we're going to promote it, Tom. You know All right. That. And that's Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Thanks for asking me about it. Hey, good column. My pleasure. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at Grifflesplasma.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.